read the entire psalm, which is 15 verses, and uh, we're in the dead of winter, in case you didn't know. In fact, the cold streak, the second cold streak is on the way, I understand, and uh, it is January after all, but hey, we're halfway through, and, and things are going to get better here soon, and uh, weather-wise, of course. And I wanted to preach a message on, we preached a life message this morning. I want to preach a life message tonight, but a different type of life. We want to talk about trees tonight, of course. And, uh, you know, right now the trees are proverbially dead. They're all those leaf-bearing trees and fruit-bearing trees, none of them are producing right now. They're all dormant. They're all, this is the toughest time for them. They're not bearing any fruit. Their leaves are not withering. Their leaves are gone. But the buds are going to come again. And uh, God likens us, of course, that famous psalm, Psalm 1 I'm referring to, likens us to trees. But I want to read the more elongated psalm in regards to trees, and it's Psalm 92. And uh, verses 1 through 15, and I guess we'll keep our tradition here. Let's read responsibly tonight, so let me read the odd-numbered verses. Would you follow along and read with me verses, uh, the even-numbered verses, and we'll read the whole chapter together, all right? We'll try to stay in proper cadence together. Um, Psalm 92, verses 1 through 15, and reading responsibly. It is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord, and to sing praises unto thy name, O Most High. To show forth thy loving kindness in the morning and thy faithfulness every night. Upon an instrument of ten strings and upon the psaltery, upon the harp with a solemn sound. Fear thou, Lord, hast made me glad through thy work. I will triumph in the works of thy hands. O Lord, how great are thy works, and thy thoughts are very deep. A brutish man knoweth not neither doth a fool understand this. When the wicked spring as the grass, and when all the workers of iniquity do flourish, it is that they shall be, shall be destroyed forever. But thou, Lord, art most high forevermore. For lo, thine enemies, O Lord, for lo, thine enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. But my horn shalt thou exalt like the horn of an unicorn, I shall be anointed with fresh oil. Mine eye shall also shall see my desire of my, mine enemies, and mine ears shall hear my desire of the wicked that rise up against me. The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. He shall grow like the cedar in Lebanon. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat and flourishing. To show that the Lord is upright, he is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. Our text verses are verses 12, 13, and 14. Notice them again with me. Let me read for emphasis. The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. I know many of you have been down south, maybe at least to Florida, or maybe some of you have been out to California, or maybe you've been overseas or in one of the islands, and you've seen palm trees, I'm sure, many of you, at least on TV for sure but some of you up close and personal. And he shall grow like the cedar in Lebanon. We'll talk about the cedar here in a moment as well. Those that be planted, the Lord likens Christians to trees. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Right now we're not flourishing too much. It's January. It's cold out there. Crowds are down. And uh, it's, uh, it's a dying time of year. It seems like a cold condensed type of time of time of the year and our leaves are not flourishing as such and our fruit is not seen to be 
seem to be flourishing, but it says, they that, verse number 14, they shall still bring forth fruit, I love this, in old age. I like that. The older I get, the more I like that verse. They shall be fat, fat and I really love that part there. <laughs> and they shall be fat and flourishing. We want to deal with the subject of trees tonight, and let's ask God's blessing. Heavenly Father, Spirit of God, take your word and illuminate it in our hearts and lives this evening, dear God. Thank you, Lord, for the the likeness of Christians in Psalm 1 and this psalm and in the book of Jeremiah as well. We have a passage that deals with the subject that we're like trees planted by the rivers of water, bring forth our fruit in our season. Our leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever we do shall prosper. But the ungodly are not so. But I like the chaff that your wind driveth away. But Lord, we don't want to talk about the ungodly or the, the sinner tonight. We want to talk to the saint. And so, our Spirit of God, speak to our hearts, we pray. And Lord, we'll give you all the glory, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. This psalm, just to take it apart in way of introduction, it's a psalm of praise, like all the psalms. Verses 1, 5, and 15 are speak of praise. Notice it with me. Verse 1, it is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord and to sing praises unto thy name, O Most High. We sing praises, hymns, and psalms of praise. We're on the winning side. We wanted to praise him. That's what we did just moments ago. Verse 5, O Lord, how great are thy works, and thy thoughts are very deep. We praise the Lord for who he is, for his wonderful works to the children of men. We're fearfully and wonderfully made, as we learned this morning. And then verse 15, this psalm of praise goes on to say, To show that the Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. So it's a psalm of praise, but it's a psalm of promise. Verse 4, a psalm of promise. For thou, Lord, hast made me glad through thy work. I will triumph. When we sang the song, Caleb picked it out himself. I didn't t- tell him to do it, but it goes along perfectly with this verse. I'm on the winning side. I will triumph in the works of my hands. It's a song, psalm of promise, a promise that we are on the winning side, a, a psalm of victory. Verses 7 and verse 11 allude to that victory, that promise of victory that the enemies of God will be overthrown one day. And that God's children will reign and live and reign with him forever and ever and ever. So it's a psalm of praise, it's a psalm of promise, it's a psalm of provision. And uh, verses 2 and verse 10, it gives us a secret of victory is found in a life abiding in Christ. It says in verse 2, to show forth thy loving kindness in the morning and thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness every night. God's faithful to us in the good times, in the seasons of fruit and prosperity in the times of drought and the times of winter as we're experiencing right now literally physically outside it's but he promises to provide all of our needs according to his riches and glory by christ jesus verse number 10 that we have the promise of it says i shall be anointed with fresh oil his mercies are new every morning and we have that daily anointing of the spirit of god that his, his promises to never leave us nor forsake us. And so it's a psalm of praise, promise, provision. It's a psalm, fourthly and finally, it's a psalm of prosperity or it's a psalm of how to prosper. We see that in our text verses, verses 12, 13, and 14 again. And these verses one more time, it says, the righteous shall flourish, there's prosperity, like the palm tree. He shall grow like the cedar in Lebanon. There shall be they, they, those that be planted in the house of the Lord. I'm glad you're at God's house tonight on a cold January night. Last Sunday night service for a month as we go into the February afternoon lunches next week, of course. But you're here tonight in the house of the Lord. 
The Bible says they shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age, and they shall be fat and flourishing. And so trees are one of God's most amazing creations when you think about it. I think that I shall never see a poem lovely as a tree, a tree that looks at God all day and lifts her leafy arms to pray. Poems are made by fools like me, but only God can make a tree. God can do, a, you know, I see we talked in Sunday school, the, the greatness of God's creation, and it's just all around us. You see the beauty of trees, so many different types of trees, and God's uh, so great in his creation of even just the different types of trees. Uh, Tom, pardon me, I was just telling Tom, you mentioned about being in California, and so uh, I was in California, of course, I've been there several times, and I've been able to visit the Redwoods on the coast, in the Sequoia National Park in inland, of course, and uh, I don't know how many have been there, but I've seen uh, when our 25th wedding anniversary 13 years ago, Sonny and I, we went to California, and we went to General Sherman. That's the tree. That's the largest, they claim the largest living thing. It's, under con, it's, being, it's contested, but some say it's the largest living thing in the world. General Sherman is almost a football field high. But what makes General Sherman... Not making this up, you that don't know the difference between sequoias and redwoods, let me tell you, uh, the expert, expert that I am, the redwoods are taller and thinner. They're, they're up over 400 feet, some of them, 430, 450 feet, I think, is the tallest are. But the redwoods or the sequoias are not as tall. They're just thick and stubby. They're only about a football field high. They're only 300 feet high. The sequoia, and I just, just to give you, wrap your head around this, you, how many, anybody been there besides myself? Oh, you know what I'm talking about. And this uh, General Sherman in the center of that Mariposa, uh, uh, what do they call it? Uh, for, well, forest, that'll work, thank you. I was looking for a different word, but that'll work. Forest, thank you. <laughs> uh, it's 42 foot wide at the base. Now, let me help you out. Our auditorium is 58 foot from wall to wall. So that means the base of the uh, General Sherman is right about to that wall, this wide. Figure it out. 42 feet, 137 foot in circumference. I've seen it with my own eyes. And on our trip, uh, our 10-day, 25-year vacation, uh, anniversary trip, I, Sonny says that was the greatest thing that she saw on her 10-day trip of California. We saw a lot of nice stuff in California. But those, those sequoias, not a cedar, but in the cedar family, that redwood, they're incredible trees. So I've been there, and I've seen General Sherman. Most You can just stand there and just gawk. See the height of it, and of course the breadth of it, just amazing. And so General Sequoia, or General Sequoia, General Sherman is the name of the church. <laughs> I better, I'll get there, I'm sorry. But I've also had the privilege, and Tom, one last time, I'll embarrass you for the last time, I promise I won't do it again. But I've also had the privilege of being in Hawaii now. So in Hawaii, we went to the Big Island, and we went to Hilo, where the missionaries went. Well, the missionaries went all over Hawaii, for that matter. But our missionaries, right from, I met Samuel Obuakaya's relatives, broke down and cried, told the story many times. There's six-generation relatives of Henry Obuakaya, knocked on their door at 7.30 a.m. in the morning on, on a Thursday morning and, and uh, showed them a picture of their great-great-great-great-great-great relative, Obuakaya. But there in Hilo... On the Big Island, 
They have another type of tree that's parallel to the, banyan, to the, to the palm tree, and that's the banyan trees. And uh, banyan trees, they, uh, what they do is they, they have a single, they, they shoot up and they have one single trunk, and then their, 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 their limbs go down, in their, down into the ground, and they become shoots, and they, aerial, aerial roots they're called, and they, 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 they shoot back up and they, they punch back into the, they go up and they, they punch back into the ground and they shoot up again. And it said, now I was, I was not on the island of, I was on the big island and on Hawaii, we didn't get to the other islands, we never got to Maui. But on Maui, get ready for this, this is the contest for the largest thing in the world, General Sherman tree. The contest is, some say no, the banyan tree of Maui, Hawaii, is a banyan tree that's, that they estimate is five square miles. That from one single tree that's just reproduced and reproduced and reproduced and reproduced. Now God says, and by the way, that gives new meaning to a family tree, by the way, doesn't when you think about it. But I want you to notice our text for the last time here, and then we'll move forward here tonight. Verse 12, Psalm 92, The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. Palm trees say you can't make it up here in Connecticut unless they're in your house in the little version. You know, we got a couple of little uh, tropical plants out there in the foyer. They've been there for years, you know. And, uh, but palm trees say don't survive in this type of weather. And uh, we shall be like the palm tree, the Bible says. We shall flourish like the palm tree and we shall grow like the cedar in Lebanon. The great cedars of Lebanon, King Hiram, of course, sold and gave to King David and King Solomon for the building of the temple and the, the house, their own personal house. But God gives this analogy that Christians are like two of the greatest trees of all the tree family, two of the greatest living things in all of the world, two of the biggest things, if you will, in all the world. God likens Christians. Hey, uh, Caleb, that was a great pick. He didn't know I was preaching or didn't know where I was going, but we are on the winning side. We're children of the king. I want to give you tonight, I have six specific lessons to learn from those that, from these trees, if we're going to prosper like them, what we have to do. Number one tonight, both these trees, the banyan tree and the sequoia trees, both need large amounts of water to flourish. The banyan trees, of course, are found in rainy tropical climates, of course, obviously Hawaii, the, the, the tropics of, uh, around the equator and so forth, these great banyan trees. They need hundreds of inches of water every year. The sequoias, you that have been to Sequoia National Park, you know what I'm talking about. You climb, you got Kings Canyon, then you got Sequoia, and then you got uh, Yosemite. All three parks there in central, mid-central uh, California, of course. And very beautiful. But you only find the sequoias... At the elevation about 5,000 feet to 7,000 feet. Below 5,000 feet, you won't find them. Above 7,000 feet, you won't find them. There's, but they're in that, that 2,000 foot zone, if you will. And it's also the rainiest zones of those, those mountain places, of course. And it reminds me of Psalm 1 that I've already alluded to in my prayer. And he shall be like a tree, the prosperous Christian planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. 
His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. I was back home, as many of you know, I've mentioned it almost every service now. I've been two trips to Ohio in the last month and a half here. And, and so I went by and saw the old, old homestead where we grew up at. Mom and Dad moved from there about 20 years ago now, and they live in another house. And, uh, but I had to go back and see the place where I grew up at. We had a stream around our house, and I remember this little boy. Uh, so I'm going to go back 50, 53 years ago, 50-plus years ago, when I was just a young tyke five, six, seven, eight years of age. Dad planted some weeping willow trees. You know what weeping willows are? And he planted those strategically, little saplings. I remember, I almost remember Dad planting them. I mean, they were about this, this wide. And he planted those saplings right just feet away from this little stream that usually was a stream about this wide. And when the river, river waters came, you know, widened up. But it went wrapped around this, the back in the side of our property of our house. And he planted about six of those weeping willows around that that uh, stream, and I watched as a boy from the age of five to by the time I went off to college, those trees, I mean, I'm telling you right now, the bases of them were this big all day long. Went back after college, after getting married, and those trees were mammoth. We had another tree, a maple tree that was off, off another, I used to climb that maple tree. That maple tree was about this big when I was a kid. You know how big that maple tree is today, 50 years later? About this big. It hasn't hardly grown at all, no joke. But those weeping willows, they were so big, so massive, they got so big, so towering, that before we'd moved from, well, I was out of the house by then, but Dad had to cut them all down. They had grown so much because they were by the waters of life. And that's how a Christian prospers. We, uh, I've also been to Death Valley, by the way, the converse of uh, no trees. In De- the highest tree in Death Valley is, a, is no higher than 10 foot high. There's sagebrush, sagebrush in Death Valley. There's no water. They call it Death Valley for a reason. We were there one summer, and uh, uh, only, pardon me, only foreigners visit Death Valley in the summertime. Americans are supposed to be smarter than that, but I wasn't smart, so we visited Death Valley in, like, July. And uh, it was 127 degrees. I mean, you could literally bake eggs on If you had a black car, you could bake it on your, uh, you could fry an egg on your, uh, the hood of your car, no joke. Amazing. But nothing grows there. But just uh, three hours, four, well, maybe four hours or so from there, you can make it to the redwoods or to the sequoias again and see the largest trees in the world and then go to Death Valley where there's no life at all. They call it Death Valley for obviously a particular reason. Oh, what am I trying to tell you this morning? We want to be prosperous. We want to be flourishing as Christians. We've got to stay by the waters. Stay by the water of the Lord Jesus Christ. John 3, 5. Or Ephesians 5, 26, the water of the word, first of all. The Bible says that he might sanctify it and wash it by the, watering, uh, by the washing of water by the word. The word of God is a washing agent. It's not only a washing agent, but it's a, it's a refreshment. It gives refreshment to the soul, and it's a life-giving agent. There's power in the word of God. It's like water. Jesus Christ is the water of life. He came to the woman at the well and said, if you drink of this water, you'll, you'll thirst again, but you drink of the water that I give, you'll never thirst again. And so both trees, I think Christians wither. The Christians, they become like those little sagebrush, those little, little eight-foot trees, uh, little stubby, little grain things in Death Valley because they've gotten away from the source of the life. No water, no life. No Jesus, no life. Oh, how we need to stay by the water of life. And so both trees, 
If we want to be prosperous like the banyan tree, like the cedars of Lebanon, or in our case, the sequoias, then we need, number one, large amounts of water. Number two, both trees abide in groves. That's the word I was looking for, Brother Jim. The Mariposa Grove, that's what I wanted. I wanted not forest, but that's close enough. We'll take it. But Mariposa Grove, they call them. And uh, both trees abide in groves. They flourish together. The sequoia is, again, the, the largest grove of sequoias is the Mariposa Grove. And uh, you'll, find, you'll, you'll never find a, a sequoia tree by themselves. Uh, how's that song go? Uh, give me, give me all my life, give me burning, burning, burning. Uh, remember that song, campfire song, you know? Uh, sing Hosanna, sing Hosanna. Oh, never mind. Uh, so back to the, uh, we got to stay, I'm picturing a fire for a moment. Those hot coals in the fire. When they're in the center of the fire, they're hot and they're, they're red embers and coals, but that, that log breaks off, that, that red hot ember breaks off and it falls, tumbles away from the fire and in no time at all, it starts to turn black. They're not by the fire any longer. And these, these mariposas, these sequoias, you won't find them anywhere, but in fact, there's about 500 that are listed as giant sequoias and they're all right in this mariposa grove. Only about 2,000 all total, but 500 giant sequoias, and they're all pretty close to one another. There are millions of trees in the Sierra Nevada, of course, again, Kings Canyon and National Park Yosemite, but the, by far and away, the most prosperous trees are the trees that stick together. The biggest and greatest are, are, are found together. What's the application? Well, it's our verse for the, do we have it on the screen? No, you went on the screen down. Okay, uh, and so much the more. Hebrews ten twenty four, the Bible tells us that, and let's provoke one another to love and to good works, uh, forsaking not the assembling of yourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Oh, how we need to stick together. How we need to stay in the stay in the grove, stay in the house of God, because that's where we flourish in the house of God. And uh, you know, it's interesting. People say, and I'll just take run a quick tangent, but not really. The idea that you, uh, you know, I saw a soundbite on Tom Brady today, just this afternoon. You know, they're going to Super Bowl. Isn't it? I mean, shouldn't shouldn't they share the love? By the way, I mean, come on. How about the Cleveland Browns for one year? I mean, you know, why is it? You know, what's it? Seven times now? What's it? He's going to ring number seven or six, whatever it is. I mean, he wins again. And let me let you know a secret. Now, I'm not necessarily a Tom Brady fan. No offense, you Patriotites. But he's on the football field. He's at practice. He keeps under his body. He keeps his body in check, and he's. He's an old man now for football. But he keeps on keeping on because why? He's sloughing off and he's not with the team at practice. He's not, not on the football field. He's not in the weight room. And no, he, in fact, it doesn't matter. He's doing all of that. He's staying close to those that want to be the best in the world. He's doing that on purpose. And there's a reason. The idea, you know, you want to be a good football player, you got to go to the football field. You want to be a good baseball player, you got to go to the baseball field. You want to be good, you fill in the blank. You want to be a good worker, you got to go to your workplace of work. 
Want to be a good Christian? Yes, you got to go to church. Hate to burst your bubble. Well, I can be a good Christian and not go to church. Well, those that are planted in the courts of their God, they shall flourish as the palm tree and as the cedars of Lebanon. Don't fool yourself. Be, stay, stay in the grove. Stay in the house of God. God will bless you. So both trees are, need large amounts of water. Both trees abide in groves. They flourish together. If we want to flourish for the Lord, we've got to flourish together. We're a team. We're, not, we're all in Christ. We're one in Christ. But then number three, both need, both trees, that is, both need and flourish in a certain type of climate. For the Christian, verse number one of Psalm 92, we thrive in a certain, in the climate of praise. Listen, I tell you, you know, most of you all know that I'm a news junkie. I, I follow politics pretty big time. I don't mean to sound so, so Mr. Sophisticated, Mr. Politician. I have a problem with politicians, as most of you know. But I follow it. Pretty heavy duty, more than probably as much as anyone in this room, I guess I should say. And I watch my news at night, and I spiral out of control many times. Because this world is out of control. Our country is out of control. Our legislature on the state level, on the national level, is out of control. We've got problems all over the place. And I started looking at that, man, I can get, I can get depressed fast. And I can say, woe is me. I had a conversation, I've been careful here. But, uh, you know, we're always looking, when you look at the negative, guess what? You're going to be negative. When you look at the depressing, you're going to be, guess what? You're going to get depressed. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't delve into that world, and I think we have an obligation to see what's and be, be uh, know what's going on in this world so we can fight the good fight of faith. And we're in a battle, battle for the Lord, of course. So we have, to, we have to enter into this world that's not very pleasurable a lot of times. But oh, my friend, I want you to know we got to flip the coin on a regular basis and look, at the, look up instead of look, look across. We've got to praise the Lord. And uh, I started finding myself going down, spiraling down and getting too negative and so forth. It's amazing what praising can do. We need to have the attitude of gratitude. It's a, so these trees, they, we, as Christians, we need a climate of praise. They need a climate, a proper climate. Not too, co- not too hot, not too cold, just right. Kind of like a baby bear. Not mama bear, not papa bear, but baby bear, amen? Somebody say, what are you, what are you talking about, preacher? A climate of praise. Then the climate of love. Verse number two, to show forth thy loving kindness in the morning and thy faithfulness every night. He loves me. He loves me. Amazing that he loves me. I'm trying to think of a song. I can't sing it all of a sudden. <laughs> uh, he loves me like no other. He loves me like I'm his only son. The love that God has for us is just mind-blowing that he would love even me. Jesus loves even me. Glad day, glad day. Amazing. Climate of love. We must speak, here's the truth. Here's the Ephesians 4, verse number 15. Our churches or churches like ours. We're valiant for truth. We're valiant for the word of God. We're valiant for making, calling right, right, and wrong, wrong. But we speak the truth, Ephesians 4, 15, in love. And if you don't have love, you don't have anything, 1 Corinthians 13. In the balance 
Diet and climate. We got to have both. We got to preach on why we're pro-life like we did this morning. But we don't want to castigate and drive away people and drive, make people feel bad that those ladies and men that have chosen to have a, an abortion. We have to be, have a balanced approach to all these things, the right climate, the climate of praise, the climate of love. Yes, the climate of truth for sure. And you transplant again the banyan tree into Death Valley, it's going to die. You transplant the, or you try to bring the sequoia out here, the climate, the heist is not right. We're living down in the drudges here at 1,000 feet here, or down in the, down in the sequoias don't make it. They're up high. They've got their eyes, they're closer to heaven, like a Christian that walks and praises and lives in the climate of praise, climate of love, and the climate of truth. Then number four, I said both trees need large amounts of water. Number one, both trees need to abide in their groves and they, stay, they, they flourish together. Number two, number three, both need and flourish in a certain type of climate. Let's speak the truth. Let's have the balance and love. And let me just run that trail a little bit further, just a little bit further to help us here tonight, hopefully, remind us. We need the right climate. We need to balance our quest for truth out with praise and love and love the brethren and love our family where they're, where, where they're at. Then number four here. Oh, I have to hurry. I got 12 minutes. Both trees can withstand great amounts of adversity. When we were there at, uh, I guess it was 13 years ago now, at Sequoia National Park, you drove up those winding roads and you get up to, again, the 5,000 foot elevation, and then 6,000, you're going through the groves, and everything was, they just had a fire. Everything was burned. And the, the, those massive sequoias, guess what? They were burned on the outside, but they're so thick, so dense, they just burned a, burned a little bit of the, the crust off or the uh, bark off. They withstood the fires. Nothing else did. That's like a Christian. Hey, there's going to be fires in your life. You're going to have them come. Again, I have to be careful. I know I overuse that phrase, but I talk to a lot of people throughout the week. I was talking to a certain somebody that once upon a time used to attend our church, and they've gone through fires in their life, tragedy in their life, and they, they confided with me. I have to be very careful here. But tragedies happen eventually, multiple or few tragedies at least, happen to most all everyone. Few and evil are days of life. You're going to go through some hard times. You're going to have some fires in your life, some catastrophe in your life. But if you're planted in the right place, and you've got the right amount of water, and you're, you're in the right climate, and you, you've been through the thick and the thin, you're going to survive the winter. You're going to survive the hard times in life. The same with the banyan trees. They've been through typhoons. They've been through hurricanes, tsunamis. They've been washed out. But they, they, just, they, they, they survive all the, the tragedies that come their way, the great adversity. The Bible says, If thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. Proverbs 24.10 A just man falls seven times and rises up again. We're going to be, I have a friend, and I'll leave him unnamed. I've alluded to him many times. But he's been on the mountaintop in his life, and he's been grand success a good part of his life. 
But then he's gone through a great valley many years ago now. And what makes him such a great man in my eyes is not the, the, the man that he was when he was on the mountaintop, but the man that he was when he was through the valley of the shadow of death, when he was going through his Job experience. Anybody can ride high. Anybody can look good when everything's going good. But when things, tragedy comes in your life, then what are you made of? Right, like the banyan tree, like the sequoia tree. Hey, I'm bracing you. Tough day is going to come. It could come as early as tomorrow. could come tonight. You get that call. I don't know. I'm not trying to ruin your forecast, your, the ruination of your week this week, but it could happen to one of us or any of us or all of us for that matter. But they withstand all this great adversity because they're, they, 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 they're, they're situated where God called them to be situated at. God called Christians to be situated in a place. Number five. Both trees, this banyan tree, these banyan trees and this sequoia trees, both produce and reproduce after their own kind. Here's a revelation. It takes a sequoia tree to make another sequoia tree. There's a revelation. Pardon me for getting a little bit crass. Banyan trees, guess what they produce? Yeah, you're really smart. You got it. Banyan trees. They don't produce, uh, you know, cherry trees, cherry blossom trees down in D.C. or they don't produce elm or, or oak. or No, they produce after their own kind. Go back to Genesis 1, 2, and 3. We, God said that they produce after their own kind. Christians produce Christians. By the way, only Christians, of course, Christians are given... We touched on it this morning, or where we have the, the the beautiful feet of Romans chapter ten that preach the gospel of glad tidings of good good things, and uh, so we produce and reproduce after their own kind, and we produce the the greatest need of New Hartford. I've been down to Town Hall. Oh, last time was a couple months ago. I go down there quite often for this, that, or the other. The greatest blessing, and not, not distant town hall of New Hartford or Torrington Town Hall of Torrington for that matter, but the greatest blessing of Torrington, the greatest blessing of New Hartford is not, is not, I promise you, town hall. It's not the municipal building. It's not state government. No offense for you folks that work for, uh, for state or federal. No, I'm not trying to imply anything. The greatest blessing... Now, this may sound very, very self-serving, but I'm going to tell you, I believe that one of the greatest, if not the greatest blessing of all New Hartford, I'm just going to say it. Don't get proud. Don't get prideful. I think it's Harvest Baptist Church where the gospel goes out, where people still stand and say what's right, whether folks want to hear it or not. We have to be, and we, we got the message that saves people for all eternity. So we reproduce and we reproduce and only if those, all those sequoia trees died off and exterminated, guess what? There'll never be another sequoia tree. Christians, we need to reproduce ourselves. We need to, we need to uh, practice the principle of uh, multiplication and, and uh, have our family tree spread out like the, the banyan. Then lastly, number six, and then a couple of thoughts, and I'm looking at that clock here. Both these trees, the banyan and the sequoia tree, like Christians, both are a blessing to mankind 
And both show forth the glory of God. Both are a blessing to mankind. Sonny stood at that sequoia, General Sherman. Wow. Wow, that's amazing. We were in Hilo. We've got our picture taken in front of a banyan tree. Again, pretty wide, but a different type of wideness and the ups and downs. And the, that's incredible. The glory of God. You know, Christians ought to be incredible in people's eyes. We're fearfully and wonderfully made. We're an anomaly. We're an enigma. We're lights that shine in a dark and evil world. The best friends that your unsaved counterparts should have, the best friend they ought to have, the best relative that your relatives ought to have is ought to be the light of a shining Christian. The handiwork of God, and pardon me, Ray, I just noticed in you, next week they'll be gone. They're going up and seeing their daughter up in Albany or outside of Albany there, going to a church event of theirs, and it's only important. I remember the day when Misha, they didn't have anything to do with God. And it wasn't that many years ago. And Ray and Bonnie have been faithful all these years. Now Misha's in church and her husband's serving the Lord. And their four kids are serving God. They looked at dad's life. Say, man, what a difference. What a change. Ken, let me pick on you. Just popped in my head real quick. I'm almost done, but... I remember that day we went over to Ken's house 20-something years ago now. And Ken, we went to his backyard, back to his picnic table, and he, Mike Patterson and I, and it was a summer day, and we sat down and shared the gospel with big, rough, gruff. Ken used to be really mean. He used to be, you know, like, uh, oh, pardon me, I was in the store the other day. I heard that song, Leroy, jo- Leroy Brown. That, never mind, never mind. <laughs> they're, they're, they're right. I'm sorry to put that in your head. I'm sorry about that. But uh, Ken was bad boy. And when Ken got saved, I didn't know it until six months afterwards. There was a transformational change that took in his life, took place in his life. He left that, uh, that backyard picnic table. I didn't know it until six months after the fact. He went into his garage and got all the beer buds, beer, beer bottles down the drain. His mouth cleaned up. He went from biker boy to choir boy overnight. He went to church. He, just, he was all in right from the beginning. Change. And people look at it and say, wow, what happened to you? We look at those trees, you say, wow, God's amazing. God can do that. Not Mother Nature, Father God. God did that. We give him glory. Look what it says, verse 14 and 15, we're winding down. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat. The righteous soul shall be made fat, by the way. That's one of my key verses in life now, right now. <laughs> they shall be made fat and flourish. Verse 15, to show the Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there is no uprightness in him. Trees are to grow and take on different shapes as they grow. The plant would like to grow and yet be embryo. Increase and yet escape the doom of taking shape. Uh, I reference it a lot. I always tease Caleb because he's 
40 plus years, my, or 35 years, my junior. I said, you don't know what's coming. You don't want to know what's coming. It's a different world. And, uh, you know, this young tree. Hey, I used to be skinny like Caleb. Don't forget that, you folks. So I want you to know that. I used to run. I used to play basketball and used to do the things that those tramp. They were on the trampolines yesterday. Did you hear about that one? Caleb comes back. He says, oh, I'm so sore. I says, oh, you're 26. Don't tell me anything about being sore. I know about being sore. You don't have a clue yet. <laughs> but uh, we're, tre- we're trees and we change. And God wants us to change for, his, for the good. And I end with this. Uh, you say, preacher, why did you preach this? I dug this from the archives. Diane, I always think of you. I preached this message five years ago. You probably got down in your notes and, oh, good. You're not necessarily like I used to think you listen for the messages here. I thought you'd know you see the notes here. But uh, things change and we go forward. But I wanted to preach this message in the cold of January because I, and I end with this here, and it's two minutes off. Uh, we're going through a little season of drought at the moment. It seems like it's, it's the wintertime. It's just par for the course. It's January after all. I mean, we had that wipeout last Sunday. I was bummed about that. Every preacher gets bummed when the church gets canceled because the you know, offering just gets hit and it gets hit hard. And uh, it's like, you know, you prepare all week long. It's game day and then the game gets canceled. And so a uh, little season of uh, dry weather, cold weather, not... I'm talking now, I'm laying that into spirituality. And then just the last three days, all of a sudden, I was reminded, hey, but spring is coming. And I started seeing buds on what I thought were dead trees. I'm seeing these buds all of a sudden in a number of people's lives, just half a dozen people just in the last 72 hours. That's a bud, that's a bud budding. <laughs> that's a bud coming. You know what I'm talking about. And one day they're going to flourish. One day we're going to see fruit. And it pays to keep on keeping on. Therefore be steadfast and unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know, your labor is not in vain in the Lord. It's been 15 years since we've been out, 14 years since we've been to Sequoia National Park. But General Sherman is still standing there. Never been to Maui, but I guarantee you that, that banyan tree is still there. Keep on keeping on. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word tonight. Lord, bless your children, dear God. Lord, that means you can bless me too. Help us to walk in the steps of the Savior. Help us stay by the springs of living water. Help us to abide, constantly abide, because Jesus is ours. Pray you bless as we just close our service out in the moments of reflection and do a work of grace, I pray, in everyone's heart in the next minute or so. May we consecrate our life afresh and anew to you. May we stay abiding as the trees planted by the rivers of water, knowing that one day it will be worth it all. We pray these things and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As we stand together, let's take our hymn book and turn to 100 and, or 300 and.